I am fucking hyped. Football is around the corner, and hopefully that COVID is... What? Woo-woo! Woo-woo, yeah, indeed. I don't know, that music, it did inspire me, Dan. I didn't know how to lead off, but that that works. How are you doing? It's another beautiful day, man. That was a little 300 violin orchestra playing Jorge Quintero that way. So we're going to take a little Spanish flair, but, dude, you got to love violins and a little classical music there, and I'm ready to talk football. Hells yeah, it's... I can't believe it's less than two weeks away. Um, we've had, it's been a little bit of a lull in the league. We had a few trades we're going to talk about. We finished up the second part of the draft. And of course, all the COVID um, situations and maybe how we'll deal with that if they rise up. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the game plan of what we're going to talk about. I'm your host, Nick, uh, joined by Dan, who is... Are you knee deep in your handle of Tito's yet? I I have poured myself because I Nick and you guys started well ahead of me as I finished my workday, so I'm doing my best to catch up, and I promise I'll get there. Excellent. Or we'll just keep going until you do. So fantastic. And of course, Nick, how are you doing? Are you still with us? It's another day in paradise here at the Ruth Family Farms. How are the How are the goats and chickens? Good. We had them free ranging today, so now I can say I'm a free range chickens. Do you need a special permit to uh, say you're a free ranger? They don't even need to be free range. It's a stupid system. Don't buy the increase in eggs. Can you buy? A, can you be a Texas ranger too? Is that cool? Funny thing is, Courtney right now is researching miniature cattle. Oh, you gotta be kidding me! Like a little Sebastian? Pretty much. No, isn't Sebastian a donkey? A uh, pony, I think. Yeah. This is miniature cattle. Can we? Whatever. The real question is: Is can we? cook them later on in life. Apparently they have like the highest grade meat because they're not as fatty and they have smaller muscles. Oh, I'm in. I, yep. Hobby Farming 101, you're in now. Alright, well, glad to know Dan's going to be poaching Courtney's cattle. Um, let's jump into this podcast because I think it might be a long one. And we're going to start with kind of the COVID rule discussion talk that we had about two weeks ago. Um, for the people that didn't attend, um, that's fine. Um, how I like to do rule discussions in my league is schedule it. The people that can attend and show up and talk about their points, great. Um, I hate doing it like over text chats and stuff like that because inevitably someone maybe isn't available when the topic's happening and it just turns into a clusterfuck and it's hard to get your points across as opposed to in a quick call. So I appreciate the guys that did show up and also there's a few guys that didn't show up and kind of mentioned their points, which was also appreciated. Um, there was no official rule changes or anything like that um, outside of like kind of COVID related stuff. Um, the biggest bulk of the conversation centered around um, COVID and just kind of the rule changes. Um, just to recap, kind of the biggest change would be the introduction or introducing IR spots in our league. Um, we added the full max 10, which is what Sleeper allows, and those IR spots are just going to be for COVID-related stuff. So if and a guy, Darius guys. Oh, and Darius, yeah. Maybe um, we did not add um, serial abusing charges to our IR qualifications. Oh, Talk to LSU. Maybe they can make that happen. Um, but yeah, so just for um, COVID-related stuff, whether the player opts out, like someone like... Um, Damian Williams, or if he comes down, or if the person comes down with COVID and has to sit out a week or two. Um, you guys were both in the call. What are your kind of general thoughts on 
that being added. Go ahead, Nick. I pushed for it because it's such an unknown that, I mean, I used the Nationals as an example. Soto was positive going to their first game. There's no way to predict for it, so we need to have the flexibility to adjust. So, I like it. Yep, I agree. I think this was this was the one of the more unanimous ones that we had to to make sure that we have the flexibility because this is going to be unpredictable. There's going to be a team that's going to get riddled with this, and everybody's going to get fucked, and it's going to be a, a fuckery trying to grab every player on that team to, to back it up that you need to. Um, I think this is just a super smart decision. Yeah. And to piggyback off that, like to kind of our next thing, one of the things we changed is for game days, the I or the like um, free agent transactions are going to be free for all. So it's not going to be the waiver process. So if you wake up at eight in the morning and you see um, Matt Stafford's out and you want to grab the backup quarterback because he's on waiver wire, you can do that. Um, it's just going to be the most fair because, like Nick said, there's going to be some late minute scratches depending on how like this rapid testing works. It could be literally 15 minutes before the game. And for some of the three o'clock or evening games, like that could be a problem if there's a late scratch, just with how our waiver wire system set up um, for non game days, it's still going to be the same how it is where you bid and at 11 central time or whatever it is at post. But for the world that we're in right now with COVID, I, we just all thought that made the most sense to have. Yep. I agree. And for those of you trying to grab Matt Stafford's backup, he's on the trade block. If you want to grab him. <laughs> nice advertising um and so another thing we said was what would kind of determine if the season is legit um for like a fantasy perspective um for playoffs we kind of said if playoffs happen in the nfl in any capacity like we'll consider that a real season um <sighs> there's so many like variables in terms of what like how we would deal with the situation um, in terms of what happens if the season's postponed and then delayed and or it's if it's post or what if it's delayed and then comes back to two weeks or a week and then playoffs like and stuff like that we just kind of need to address when it happens we tried to talk about some like just different situations that could pop up and it just really became such a a tedious thing to talk about so we're all fair, I'd like to think, except for maybe Kevin. So hopefully we can figure out the best way to handle a situation if it pops up, whatever that might be. Yeah, and I think the other thing we talked about was as long as we get through eight weeks, it's a legitimate season, whether playoffs happen or not. If we play yes. eight weeks worth of matchups, it's going to be what it's going to be there, and that's going to be it's going to constitute as we're good. Yeah, I mean, and there was a lot of stuff we really tried to talk out, but it just, it became difficult. I mean, was there anything I missed, guys, or anything maybe you want to add um, from those um, discussions? Our power rankings. Make sure you're doing your power rankings. Yes, because um, one of the big things, since this is a Dynasty League, is the rookie draft, as you guys know. Um, and if, for whatever reason, there is a shorter season, less than eight games, we need some sort of like other viable option for determining the draft order um so we determined that what we would do would be like a culmination of three different rankings the first would be our own um survey like for teams um in which i believe everyone but three people have done in the league so kudos to you guys but a few more need to get doing that before the season starts um and that'll just be done 
well, this one, and then we'll do after week one, three, five, and seven. After that, the season's legit and all that work was for nothing, but I still appreciate you for doing that. Um, we also would have a computer set of rankings, which is, I have this, Nick and I both have kind of this online tool and stuff that we can kind of pull for and we'll combine those to factor in kind of the win now rankings. And the third was um, based on sleeper projections. Um, we would just go through whichever week didn't happen at that point and kind of add to the results that did happen. So if we had two weeks of results, then maybe we need to do whatever. It would be 10 more, 12 or 11 more. I don't know what the exact answer is and add those together to get a current result. I think that was it. Honestly, all this. Go ahead, Dan. Yeah, it's, it's the big piece is that we want to be as fair as possible for this. Nobody understands what potentially could happen with any of this. So having this variety of player opinions versus computer analysis versus projected abilities, we think paints the most even scripture for what the lay of the land should look like um, should the season finish out. Yeah, and the only other thing, if we did have a shorter season, had to do our own rankings and didn't complete a full season, we would have a NBA-style lotto um, for the top, I think we said two picks, um, just because if the season isn't completed, you know, we can't say for sure that, oh, Nick, your team was crappy for these three weeks, so you're going to be the first overall. No, you'll have maybe the best odds because that's how it played out, but that doesn't necessarily justify giving you the top pick. So we haven't determined exactly what the percentages would be. Yeah, I but... think this was this was the one where, at least personally, I gave pushback, so it wasn't a fully unanimous decision here with it. And I'll stand by my guns for how I how I wanted to have this happen out, but I got outvoted, and it happens. And um, but this is why it's a it's a democracy with voting pieces and not a dictatorship where Nick can tell me to go fuck myself. Exactly true, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, I think that covers all the talks. I mean, the biggest thing was the IR spot, I feel. Um, a few other takeaways, but that was really the big one. Everything else, we're, we've got like a soft foundation for some things, but... Everything else, when, if it pops up and becomes a problem, we'll just address as it happens. <sighs> Hopefully it's not an issue, though. I mean, maybe we'll get lucky and the NFL will have everything figured out. Yeah, they're really world, good at just, that. Yeah, this is, hopefully this is just a lot of extra bullshit everybody's got to put into, but better safe than sorry, right? Have an airbag versus not have an airbag. Exactly. Um, all right, well, let's move on, and we're going to recap... We're only going to go over two trades. Um, there was, I think, about six or seven, but a lot of them just dealt with draft picks and, you know, third and fourth rounders, which, you know, in retrospect, they might look like a big deal a year from now. But for right now, they're just kind of blah. Um, and the two trades we're going to talk about involve one is a really big blockbuster. I mean, for a two team deal, it might be actually one of our biggest deals ever. And the other one was a paying a premium ties price for a tight end um, let's start with the one from back in july and that involves steve and adam adam acquire or adam traded away juju smith schuster kareem hunt noah fant deontay johnson and a 2021 third round draft pick and steve traded away 
Uh, let's see. We have George Kittle, Jameis Winston, Kenny Stills, Chase Edmonds, Andy Dalton, and Julio Jones. How are you guys viewing that trade? That's a lot of names. And the fun fact is, two of those players I drafted. Um, yeah, that's a lot. I don't get it on Adam's side because he's getting older. He gets Kittle, which I guess is tight end one or two. But you're giving up Juju, Fant, and Johnson for Jameis, who's a backup. Kenny Stills, who wide receiver three. Dalton, who's a backup. Julio, who's old. So I, I don't know. I just don't know the direction that it's going. It's it's an interesting trade, though, when you look at part of this. Is Jameis Winston obviously gets a year to learn behind Drew Brees. Next year, this could turn out differently if he gets to take the reins over in New Orleans. Um, Julio still is going to be a big name that's going to have viability here with it. Edmonds has shown signs that he has life, and Kenyon Drake just kind of took over George Kittle obviously is the great piece, um, but giving up all that youth is is kind of tough. Um, Kareem Hunt's shown that he can be a, a product in that backfield. Juju gets Big Ben back, which will be interesting to see if that helps um, with it because the question is, is, does he have the other pieces that are around him that are going to help? And I like Noah Fant. I think Noah Fant's going to be thriving in that newly rebuilt Denver offense that's uh, yeah, it's it's a little rough on Adam's side. I think Steve gets the, the better end of this, but a lot of big names get moved here. Yeah, I mean, I guess I maybe like it a little more for Adam just because I think it rounds out his starting lineup pretty well. Um, I do, you know, concede he gives up some of the future stuff, but I think getting a guy like Julio and George Kittle, who, you know, just being conservative, should be top three at their position, like, to go with Patrick Mahomes, Austin Eckler, Kenyon Drake, uh, Chris Carson, you know, Philip Rivers. It's he doesn't have a perfect lineup, but I am not gonna fault someone that commits to going down a, like going for it. And if Adam thinks that he can contend and, you know, frankly, he was close last year, I'm not gonna necessarily fault him for it before the season begins. Yeah, and I think the question the question remains is does this push Adam further into the contention of being one of the teams that we're going to have to really sit down and focus on as we approach this year. Yeah, I mean, that's a fair point. I think um, for Steve, it was kind of an interesting trade because I think Steve's done a great job sort of rebuilding his team with, uh, you know, some savvy vet like acquisitions, you know, David Johnson, Aaron Jones, um, Ben Roethlisberger, Ryan Tannehill, like, he really added some of these parts, and a lot of those parts I feel like are win now, but then he trades away, you know, George Kittle, Julio Jones. So in the short term, what does that do for his team? I mean, you guys seem maybe a bit higher on Juju and Noah Fant than I do, so maybe there's not going to be a huge dip for him. Um, but for me, I'm, I'm a little dubious on their production for this upcoming season. So the question I'll ask both of you guys is I sit in this division with this, and these are two teams that are in the same division that both didn't make the playoffs here. Are we going to sit down and are we going to see one of these two teams challenge for one of the top three spots in what arguably is the better of the two divisions in the Justice League? 
You want to tackle that first, Nick? I mean, if you look at their starting lineups, there's no denying that they don't really have too many, if any, weak spots. I mean, depth isn't great, but, I mean, their starting lineups are stacked. So I would say yes. Um, I think there's five viable teams in that division, which sucks for you guys, but that's going to be a bloodbath of a division. Yeah, I mean, I do agree. I actually, you know, we'll chat a little bit on this 10 things, but I'm kind of high on Adam's team. Um, just his starters, like Nick said. I mean, this is a very unique season, and if shit does hit the fan, which it almost certainly will, it could be a problem for his lack of depth, but I just, it's hard to project injuries or someone getting COVID or getting a false positive or whatever the fuck what's going to happen this year. But I really like Adam's team, and um, I was very, very low on it last year, and he, you know, blew by my expectations. So maybe I'm just counter um, countering that, you know, fall or that negative um, value or that viewpoint that I had last year. So um, yeah, I think it's going to continue to be a tough division, especially since I think at least one of the playoff teams takes a little bit of a step back this year. And these two guys and Steve and Adam, I think, are going to be closing the gap a little bit on that. Yeah, it's it's an ugly division. It really is from top to from top to bottom in there. It's I, I think this one could be a real shakeup. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, anything else on this deal? I mean, you guys, I guess you guys sound like you'd like it a little bit more for Steve. I mean, do you think it's a solid or how do you feel about it from Adam's perspective? Is justifiable or not so much i i don't know because if you look at it he got two starters yep with a lot of depth ish and then steve's side all four of them are startable maybe deontay johnson on the ish but three of them fant is projected to be a top 10 tight end this year by pretty much every expert i've read Juju, I, he can't do worse. I feel like I say that about a lot of people, but that Pittsburgh offense was terrible. What is your expectations for Juju this year? Do you think he's going to revert back to the wide receiver one? Or? Yeah, I think he'll be a top 12 wide receiver. Okay. Especially now that Deontay Johnson and Claiborne will hopefully take something away from him. Connor won't suck, and Ben has an elbow. I think that offense takes a huge bounce back. AKA doesn't have Mason Rudolph, so that's exactly. all. Exactly. And Kareem Hunt is unbelievably talented. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I I don't see how Steve doesn't win, but that's me. Yeah, so I, I look at it this way. When we look position by position here, so you can say Julio Jones and Juju Smith-Schuster. At the moment, which one would you rather have? I think currently the, the piece you want to have is Julio Jones in the current season. You know, George Kittle or Noah Fant. I think you definitely want George Kittle for some of these pieces. But then you look at Kareem Hunt and Deontay Johnson, and I think both those guys' values outweigh the other four people that got dealt in this trade, at least from a current perspective. Um, and I think down the road you're going to see that, that Hunt and Fant and Johnson only continue to get better. So I, I do like this trade a little bit more for Steve. All right. Yeah, I, I mean, honestly, I think – 
for me, I would give this a toss up and I see it for both players side. And I don't know if I would necessarily declare a winner. Um, but it's nice job. It was definitely a shocker. All right. And then the last trade we're going to talk about is going to involve Stefan's team and Armand's team. Stefan acquired Tyler Hippie from Armand for David Njoku, a 2021 third and fourth round draft pick, a 2022 second round draft pick, and a 2023 second round draft pick. Of note, the 21 third is going to be Jerry's pick, and I believe all the remaining picks are Stefan's. How are we feeling about that one? This is paying a premium to try and get better in a position. And Joku gets dethroned by Austin Hooper coming into the backfield. And I mean, the kid's a freak of nature when it comes to being an athlete, but I don't think he's fit in a Cleveland system. I think if he gets an opportunity to go somewhere else that needs some of this, it's great. But, you know, Armand gets a lot of young depth pieces, which he needs to use to build in the draft and Higby's going to be a, a premium piece and this helps Stefan solidify a team did Stefan overpay 100% I think Stefan overpaid for Tyler Higby but it's another piece that Stefan gets to add to his roster to try and solidify the fact that he's going to be the best team coming out of this division one of the best two teams in the league and say that he's here to stay yeah it's it's an overpay there's I don't know if there's much denying that. But did he need to? He's got Ertz. He's got Eifert. He's got Graham. Those are two rough names you just listed that say you're... Eifert's a tight end one. Yep, which is great, but Eifert's had injury issues. I mean... No, he fucking died in Cincinnati. But, okay, let's ignore Eifert and ignore Graham. He has Ertz. Like, I'm kind of with Nick. Like, I think this is a luxury trade with... Which, hey, I maybe, like, this season's going to be very unique. And maybe depth is going to be truly, truly, truly important and a game changer. So if Higby puts Stefan over the edge in that aspect, I guess, you know, I, I don't think any of us are, like, equipped to say that that's the wrong approach. But I'm with Nick. I think it's, and it's he aggressive. Annie and Njoku. Yeah, you're right. Do you, do you actually think Njoku's going to be a factor in this Browns team. Do you think they're going to be running yeah. two wide receivers or two tight end sets and watching Hooper and Joku just go out and fucking own linebackers? Two running back or running this, back, two tight end, two wide receiver. I could see that all day. For Stefanoski's offense, yeah, I do. Yes. Now, do I think Njoku is going to be like a viable fantasy tight end or someone you want to count on this year? No, absolutely not. But it's dynasty and I think long term, I mean, you still got to He's been through like two coaching staffs that were awful. I think you gotta at least still have a small glimmer of hope in him, right? So I guess the question I'll ask, and I do a lot of this question asking piece in the next two seasons, because I'm pretty sure that's how long he's got left on his Cleveland contract. Is he a top twenty tight end in any of those two seasons? Yes, I would say yeah. Really, you've got him. You got him that high. I, I guess I, I mean top twenty. I feel like the bar is very low. Top twenty is insanely low. Like, if you would have said top fifteen, that would have been difficult for me. I think. So you think he falls in those next five positions? I guess would be the the piece there when we talk. Okay. I, That's what I would say. I mean, how do you feel, Nick? 
I would agree. I think top 20 is a joke. I'm trying to pull up last year's tight end rankings real quick, and we can go through it. Okay, yeah, let's do that. Um, Who would you rather have? The fun fun game that everyone wants. Except for for some reason. I can't pull up. There we go. Uh, I just want to go back and say that my projection last year for Austin Hooper was a complete success. Are you saying you're the tight end whisperer? I, it's definitely not the quarterback whisperer because Josh Allen can't fucking throw over 300 yards to save his goddamn life. So, fun fact. All right, let's Darren see. Fells was tight end 19. Tyler Eifert, who died, was tight end 18. Wow. Okay. <laughs> and he's getting some buzz in Jacksonville. Janu Smith was 20. Jimmy Graham was 21. Ryan Hollister, who played a whopping... Or Jacob Hollister, who played one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games, was tight end twenty-three. That's because Will, Will the Will the redheaded missile Dissel died. Apparently, dying doesn't mean exactly what you think it means. No, no, it doesn't. I know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think Nick. Where, where did Njoku finish? I don't even think he played much last year, did he? I think he only played like four games, but maybe look for averages. Um, I don't think I can do that with okay. MFL. Dawson Knox was 33. <laughs> Fuck, this tight end rankings are terrible. It gets ugly fast. I mean, uh, going back into this deal, though, I we all agree it's an overpay. But I, I side with Nick. I, I don't think it was necessary. I think this is a move that's probably available three weeks from now. And if it's something you needed, you do it then. I think doing it now before a game's played is questionable. So Njoku played in two games. He averaged eight points a game, which is good enough for tight end 20. Oh, <laughs> Huh. Really? No, these that averages aren't right. It does. It averages the season, not per game, so it's impossible to tell. Okay. But yeah, the tight end landscape is atrocious. And he didn't. Play, no, he played in at least four games last year. No, he didn't. I haven't pulled up right now. So do I. Tennessee, he finished with with fifteen point seven points. The Jets, he played fourteen snaps, didn't get anything. Week 14, he played Cincinnati, played 38 snaps, got 1.9 points. And week 17 against Cincinnati, he played 7 snaps. He played in 4 games. So he... Moali Cox had more points than him. Alright, we're devoting way more attention to David Njoku than he deserves. Um, Alright, well, I think we, we all agree that it's an overpay, but I think Dan thinks it's maybe a little more justified, which is, it's hard to say that that's wrong in this season. All right, um, let's jump into the second half of the rookie draft, and we're just going to kind of go through each pick, and if anyone has some thoughts, disagree with maybe who was selection, anything like that, let's just speak what you're feeling, or speak your thoughts. Um, The first pick was Sam on the clock, and I think... It, he kind of looked like maybe the guy when the draft ended back in May, but he went with A.J. Dillon. Um, how, what do you guys think of this one? Oh, Saquon Jr.? 
Um, yeah, I, it's. I thought, I thought personally, Moss should have gone ahead of AJ Dillon, but AJ Dillon's going to get a lot of short yardage, goal line carries. He has a lot of touchdown potential currently. Um, the question is going to be is is he going to maintain the status above Jamal Williams for number two in the depth chart? See, I don't even think those two are related. It's Aaron Jones is the running back. Jamal Williams is the wide receiver. If Aaron Jones goes down, then I could see Dylan getting play. But I just, their skill sets are completely different that I don't think they're interchangeable. And I don't think there's any way A.J. Dillon upsets Aaron Jones. Yeah, I mean, I guess the big question is, and, you know, you guys read Dynasty, so I'm sure you've read about it. I mean, what happens with Aaron Jones? He's going into the last year of his contract. Um, the Packers just invested a second-round pick in A.J. Dillon. This selection is definitely not for this upcoming season, but maybe long-term, um, which for Sam's team, he's all about the long-term, so I get it. Um, I, your guess is as good as mine. The Packers have made, made two very interesting selections in Jordan Love and A.J. Dillon, and Sam has both of them. So we'll see if that pays out in the long-term for him. Yeah, yeah, that Jordan Love tape coming out of camp looks phenomenal. It does. It looks really good. But I'll say it here. I think the Green Bay Packers re-sign Aaron Jones next year. They, they sign him. I don't think he leaves Green Bay. All right. Um, all right. Then let's go on to the second pick in the third round. And that's going to be made by Armand. And he select uh, the aforementioned Zach Moss. How Dan, you kind of mentioned that he should have gone first. Uh, what do you think, or what do you see in him? Yeah, I think Zach Moss brings a, a nice dynamic to the Buffalo backfield. He's a, a super durable, uh, not durable, he had a couple injury pieces um, coming out of the Pac-12, but I think this kid's a, a very big athlete, and I think he's going to be very nice piece in the Buffalo offense um, to really offset um, Singletary. Hey, remember that time I said Moss should have been a first-round pick? That was fun. Um. <laughs> I'm curious how you feel, Nick, because you have Singletary, and I don't know about you guys, but it seems like every single rookie except for, like, five of them are getting, like, buzz that they're doing amazing. Yeah. It, and Zach Moss is one of them. He's getting that buzz. Um, are you worried at all? Um, I think Singletary's actually hurt, so I'm a little worried about that. I think I was just reading on. Um, okay. But again, I think it's different skill sets. I think Zach Moss replaces um, Frank Gore, and Singletary still thrived with Frank Gore. You don't see outside of what, maybe four running backs that are, that's my backfield, Yeah. there's a backup. No, it's two-headed monsters, and they both produce mid-upper teens, and if they explode, 20s, 30 games. So that's just the new fantasy football we have to get used to. So I'm not too worried, because their skill sets aren't much alike. All right. Yeah, I mean, I thought, um, th what, three months ago that these guys should have been the first two picks in some order, so not really surprised to see either Dylan or Moss off the board one, too. I think Sam and Armand got these two right. Um, all right, let's move on to the third pick, and that was held by Sam again, and he selected Chase Claypool, uh, wide receiver for Pittsburgh. Um. Okay, so I, he struggled a little bit in many camps. He's dropped a couple balls with it, uh, and this is hard for me to say because I'm a diehard Notre Dame fan. 
with part of these things, but I think he needs an injury to really kind of get his opportunity with it. Um, super big kid. I mean, I think he's, what, 6'4", six, 6'5", six, or something like that with it. So he's, if he can catch the ball, it's going to be a great piece. I thought he might have gone a pick or there's – I think there's two other wide receivers I would have taken ahead of him as I look down this list um, ahead of Chase Claypool. But he goes into a passing offense in um, Pittsburgh with getting Big Ben back. Um, not thrilled with the pick, but he's a Notre Dame kid, so I'm okay with it. See, and this is one of those future picks. It's so much in the air about them re-signing Juju. Um, if they don't re-sign Juju, he slots into that X spot. So I think it's a great pick. I honestly don't think I would have taken another wide receiver above him. So I really like the pick. I kept trying to trade up to get him, but no one was having it. Yeah, I'm with you, Nick. I think it was a really solid pick. And I mean, I, I think I know maybe the wide receiver too that you were thinking of Dan and I mean this was a really really deep class and I think in a normal year Chase Claypool that goes to in the second round to a team like the Steelers that have a pedigree with wide receivers and development that he goes a lot higher but him going all the way in the third I think is a testament to how this deep this draft class might be so I I like this pick I can't really complain or I think you're splitting hairs if there was maybe a different wide receiver or player that should have went ahead of him um, let's continue with maybe one of the wide receivers Dan was talking about. Uh, with the fourth pick, Jer took KJ Hamler, wide receiver for the Denver Broncos. Yep, this is one of the two names that I was definitely thinking about. This is a guy that's going to fit perfectly into the slot um, to really give Drew Locke this short yardage piece. I I picture this as part of being what... Um, Isn't KJ Hamler a burner? He might be, yeah, he is. I apologize, he is. Yeah, and their depth, he's in the slot. Yeah, they are. Okay. And I think that I think you could interchange him with Cortland Sutton with any basis. No. You don't think so? You don't think Sutton could play the spot? And, I mean, that's where Larry Fitzgerald's making a lot of his pieces Yeah, on. once he got old. Yeah, all right. But, yeah, I like K.J. Hamler. I think he brings a very explosive ability to this once he gets the ball into his hands. It's a good pick. It's just such a crowded wide receiver room. Now that they have Judy, Sutton, um, Hamilton really came on at the end of the year. Tim Patrick, I feel like, has always been in the wing there. It's just, and then you have Noah Fant. Um, their running back room is, yeah. I mean, it's just a lot of mouths to feed with that team now. And as discussed many times, I don't think they have the best distributor. So I don't know if I want a wide receiver. I mean, yes, it's a future pick, but with how young Sutton and Judy are, having a wide receiver four or five on a team with Locke may not be my favorite choice. Yeah, I totally get that. I mean, it's Locke is probably going to be the, in, any, in Dynasty, I don't think there's a player that has more pressure or questions surrounding him, and... If he doesn't live up to the expectations, I mean, this Denver offense is going to be very, very frustrating and disappointing for a lot of fantasy owners. But if he does, and he does succeed, I mean, Locke is going to blow up. So he's probably the most, or player I'm interested in most in seeing this upcoming year. As far as Hamler goes, I mean, same thing I said about Chase Claypool. In a normal draft, I mean, a second round pick, wide receiver, top half of the that 
round. I mean, I think he goes probably a little bit higher, but he didn't. Um, I actually would have taken a different wide receiver over him, but again, I really can't fault Jerry for taking him at this position, and it makes a complete amount of sense. Um, all right, fifth pick in the third round goes to Mr. Kevin, and he selects Anthony Anthony wow, Anthony McFarland Jr. Running back for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, I, th- th- this is such a clusterfuck of a backfield too. With it, 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 some injuries went through there. We had some guys step up and step down with it. I, I like my pick when we get to it better than Anthony McFarland in this place. I think Anthony McFarland is not going to get his opportunity to shine this year, and he's going to have to wait for a contract to come up or an injury to happen to really show his worth. Yeah, I mean, at this point in the draft, you're throwing darts. It's not a terrible dart throw. His college tape was really good. Um, again, you go with the Pittsburgh Steelers' pedigree of developing talent in the wide receivers' running back room. They're really good at it. So you just throw the dice. Um, will it take an injury or something for him to actually be relevant? Yeah. I don't think he is the relevant points for Pittsburgh with Connor and Samuel's healthy. Yeah, I mean, you guys covered it. I mean, all I'll say is I guess the Steelers continue to draft running backs uh, between Snell, um, Samuel, and um, the other guy I'm blanking on. So Connor? No, uh, yeah. Connor, Samuel, <laughs> Snell, yeah. My, my running back. Uh, so, I mean, maybe they're not happy with Snell and um, even Connor and um, – Samuel for that matter so we'll see but it's it's not an exciting pick but it might play factor or dividends down the road with the sixth selection in the third round that was made by Zane and he selected Van Jefferson wide receiver for the Los Angeles Rams so yeah this is this is another clusterfuck of a organization for people that can underperform in a, in a wide receiver position with it. I think a lot of it will be put on health as with Robert Woods and Josh Reynolds. Um, Jefferson's a talented kid. He's an older kid too, 24 years old um, compared to a lot of the other rookies. Um, talented kid. I just, I think again, we're at the point where fantasy relevancy currently not much, but probably in the next two to three years, I think he picks a, a step up to get it, but good kid. Yeah, I don't know much about him. Um, Rams is a great offense if their offense line is healthy, which wasn't last year. But it's such a crowded room. Even with Cooks leaving, he's fifth or sixth on their pecking order now. So that's a tough one to break into. Uh, I mean, who knows what you can believe with camp buzz and what people say, but he's getting a lot of buzz and supposedly doing very, very well. I mean, he's obviously got, you know, two studs in Cooper Cup and Robert Woods ahead of him. And we'll see about Tyler Higby, John, or Josh Reynolds, and maybe some other guys. But I like this pick. I would have taken him a few spots ahead. Um, he had the buzz going in the Senior Bowl and kind of just kept going with it. Um, the Rams are very pass-happy. Um, it's the easy cliche thing because he's an older guy, but a lot of people are making the Cooper Cup comparisons. Um I I like Van Jefferson. I think Zane got a. I think he got a guy that's 
if if out of all the guys that went in the third round that I look at, I feel the most confident in him becoming a factor. Um, like I feel most confident that he'll do that. Um, so I like this pick a lot. Zane did very well. Um, Sam is back on the, the board to select a seventh overall in the third round, and he selects uh, the second tight end in our draft, Adam Troutman, for the New Orleans Saints. So just like you had the analysis with Van Jefferson, I'm going to give Sam the benefit here. I think this was one of the best picks in this point in the draft. Um, Troutman's going to learn from Jared Cook, get his fair share of playing with a Hall of Fame quarterback and really learn and develop but i think troutman is going to be a stud down there um i think i think this kid has a lot of promise i think he's going to block really well but he's going to be the piece that's going to explode in the next two years um i really like really like this pick tight ends are such a crapshoot especially rookie tight ends it's so hard to tell um sure <laughs> really, really great analysis there, but I mean, what do you say? Michael Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders, Kamara, Cook. Like, yeah, but look what Breeze has done with Cook in his older age. Imagine giving him a younger, more athletic guy that can catch the ball and run a good route. Okay, but if he's running more than 20 yards, he's not catching the ball from Drew Brees. So it's tough because, yes, he's going to Drew Brees. He's going to have two years of Drew Brees, maybe. Cook probably will retire then too. So he's going to be in a completely new offense with a new quarterback. And Sean Payton you trust? I mean, he's made Taysom Hill and Teddy He's made Taysom like Hill a great million. running back. And a receiver and a quarterback and uh, a blocker. Quarterback I'm not buying. But Did yeah. you see the ball he threw last year? What did he throw it, like 45 yards? Did you see the Nick or uh, Mitchell Trubisky put up six touchdowns in a game once? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> you really had I don't to go know. there, right? I'm just saying. And now they have Jameis. Jameis and tight ends. I don't know. I think there's reason for excitement. I mean, the Saints under Sean Payne have proven to be very pass-happy. Now, maybe that's all because of Drew Brees and what he does. But I'd give Sean Payton the benefit of the doubt. So I definitely can see a reason to be excited about him going forward. But like Nick said, he's a tight end. I mean, historically, this is going to take a year, two, three years to see um, the results uh, of that. But for Sam, I mean, that matches up with this timeline. So I think when you look at the board and who is available, I like the pick for him. All right, Dan, why don't you talk uh, about the the next pick since you're on the clock for it? Yeah, so I, I went through and I was looking at some of the other pieces here and I was between two running backs to help try and rebuild my stuff. So I went uh, Dittarian Evans, the backup running back that's going to be playing second fiddle to... Um, Mr. Henry? Yeah, Derrick Henry down there. The best thing is, is it's he's the pass-catching back down there. Super super agile kid, really explosive. Um, he's going to play great spell, and if they end up down in games, he's going to be the guy carrying most of the work weight in the backfield so I thought this was one of the better picks to help me try and get back on the running back wagon after I traded two of them way early in year one yeah I think um at this point you know I think it's a real crapshoot I think after the first these seven picks I mean maybe six I don't know about McFarland but you're really betting on the future upside 
um, how they'll fit into the role, maybe an injury breaks their way or whatever the situation is. Henry's locked up for the future, but Tennessee is going to be a run-first team, so Evans could very easily find a nice little role and be fantasy relevant. So can't really fault it or complain or love it too much. It's it's a solid pick. Yeah, I mean, it's always good to have a backup to the workhorse. Um, these are one of those backfields. I feel like they're one running back team. Um, yep. If you look last year, their other running back didn't do dick. So... You have the backup to a workhorse, as you saw with Pollard. It looks good. Um, and especially this late in the pick, you can't go wrong with that. All right, and let's go back to Sam, because apparently we legally have to make a selection for him every other pick. Um, with the ninth overall selection in the third round, Sam took Jalen Hurts, quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, of note, Sam has Carson Wentz, so it's makes sense maybe getting this back up um yep, it's, it's a handcuff pick i really like it it's it keeps him owning the backfield it keeps him or not the backfield but the quarterback position in that one and obviously they spent a higher pick on him and he's a super talented kid coming out of oklahoma um yeah it's cover your ass what do you think are the expectations for hertz honestly i don't he have any and, yep, if he if he has to step in and do his job, great. Just don't fuck it up. But you hope that he just learns for the next couple next couple years. I mean, they just made Wentz get paid, so I don't really understand it. It's kind of like, do you think? I can't I mean, even say it's a Jordan to, Love situation. Yeah, I mean, they had to view him as what a first round pick and just assume they have to take him. I don't know. I'm I, with you. It's kind of interesting. I have literally no idea. I can say though, I was trying to trade up to get this pick. And he didn't trade with me and selected Jordan, Jalen Hurts, and I was very happy. I mean, I get it. Actually, I don't. For Sam's team, it doesn't make too much sense either because it's not really an upside play, at least in my mind. I mean, Carson Wentz has been historically an injury-prone QB. So with Wentz being, at least right now, his top quarterback, I get that logic. But yeah, the the ceiling is capped. It's just insurance more than anything. Yeah, and I mean, I'll say it probably for every pick going forward. At this point in the draft pick, that's all it is. It's getting depth and solidifying holes or a lottery pick. And this is solidifies a hole if one of his starting quarterbacks goes down. So I think I have the backup of both my quarterbacks on my roster, so it makes sense. All right, well then, let's continue on. And Nick, why don't you talk about your selection in the 10th and the third round? Um, so I traded away some young wide receivers with McLaurin and Deontay Johnson, so I kind of wanted to refresh the bullpen. And the fact that he fell this far amazed me, so I was trying, as I said, for like the last five picks, trying to trade up to get him. And I finally got someone who bit, and it worked. So I like him. I think huge talent big guy and with that roster probably could be a season one starter yeah I, i'm a big fan of this kid this wasn't the other guy i was talking about earlier we'll get to him in just just a second here but yeah huge kid six four with a great hands i think this is a guy that's going to very much challenge to play opposite of mclaurin in this offense i think this was a was a great steal at, at this this round 
Yeah, especially going into the year. I mean, Harmon tore his ACL, who I have, and Cam Sims is on the commissioner's list, I think, for beating somebody or something illegal. So he's playing. I've got one of those guys. Yeah, I, so right now he's a starting wide receiver. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I mean, you guys really covered it. I mean, it's upside. Um, the Washington football team is devoid of wide receiver talent after Terry McLaren, so he's definitely going to get a opportunity to shine in the spotlight quickly, and, you know, maybe he'll pull a Terry McLaren and bust out right away and never look back. Exactly, and that's the big thing, is I get to see my lottery ticket in year one. If I had two fourth-rounders for a lottery ticket, and it sucks, so be it, I'll toss it aside, but... At least I get to see it right away instead of wasting a roster spot in time. All right, let's continue on with Armand. Uh, he's going to be selecting for three out of the next four picks. Um, with the 11th pick in this uh, third round, he selects Devin DuVernay, uh, wide receiver for the Baltimore Ravens. That's a good pick. I was torn between the two. I'm not going to lie. I went back and forth quite a bit. Um but I ended up going for, you know, the lottery pick that I can see now besides. But I think having a burner in that offense opposite Marquise Brown is going to be real fun. So I, I don't think he's going to play opposite of Brown. I think he's going to play in the slot. This is this kid's a fucking stud. Um, I thought this was one of the other ones that should have gone up there. He's he's gonna he's absolutely going to take Willie Snead's job. 100% going to take Willie Snead's job. Um, short kid, real super quick, great hands. Um, and can, he can blow it up out of the slot with it. Um, yeah, I was a huge fan of Armand's pick here. And with that being said, you guys can talk Brewer and then talk that. I'm going to go refill my drink while you guys cover this one in the next pick, and I'll be back. Yeah, I mean, I, he's definitely talented. I think the only thing that is just the offense itself, and I'm curious how it evolves going forward. Um, Lamar Jackson rushes the ball a lot. They like to rely on their running backs, you know, Mark Ingram, Gus Edwards, and Justice Hill last year, and now they add J.K. Dobbins to it. I don't think that's going to change, you know, in the short term, but maybe as Jackson continues to, to develop as a wide or as a quarterback, he they rely more on the passing game. So I guess with Hollywood there, you know, Mark Andrews, is there enough um, – pass attempts and yards to go around to, to support this third wide receiver for the next or in the next two or three years i'm not sure about that yeah i mean you don't even mention miles boykin who yep was injured most point. of last year and they drafted him i guess one pick earlier last year but i mean they're developing him he's had a year with them i just it's one of those teams with like the niners they don't really have enough pass attempts where i feel comfortable having even their wide receiver, too. Yeah, I mean, 100% agree with that. Um, but, you know, Lamar Jackson has definitely taken steps um, just in his first two years. I mean, going from very average, just mostly a runner in year one to being NFL MVP. And if he can continue down that trajectory, you know, it won't take much for them to support a third or maybe even fourth wide receiver or pass caster in this offense. 
anything else to add, Dan, or is your drink all? No, no, I'm, I'm, no man, I, I refill pretty quick when you put mostly vodka in the glass. It's all good. No, I like. Uh, I'm hoping that there's enough pieces to go around, and yep, I get Boinkins coming back this way. But again, I think Duvernay finds a way to be the starting piece in this offense. All right. Um, let's continue on. Amar. Um, wow, Arman. With the last pick in the third round, selects LaMichael Perrine, P. Ryan. Uh, running back for the New York Jets. Yeah, so P. Ryan, this is his brother Samaje was the uh, ah. running back that fucked up in uh, Washington. Washington. Yep, with it. But the, the early reports were saying that he does not look better than Frank Gore and or Le'Veon Bell. And Frank Gore is the best looking back in that backfield with it, but Frank Gore is never going to be the answer for this. This is a great pick. Um, this is one of the other ones I was considering at my pick up there, so I think Armand again gets another super solid piece um, to, to get the young backfield rolling in his roster. Yeah, it's a great pick. It's um, it's an Adam Gase offense, which sucks, but it's probably done after this year, maybe the first few weeks, but Frank Gore isn't going to be there more than a year, maybe two. Highly doubt it. Le'Veon Bell's on his way out. If Gase has anything with it, he'd be out before the season starts. So at the moment, it's the future of their offense. So you got to like getting that at the end of the third. Yeah, I mean, I don't know much about him like in terms of his prospect abilities and stuff like that. But when you just look at Perrine compared to the next 12 picks... I think there's maybe just one wide receiver that has more chance at like a significant upside role, um, just impact right away, or not right away, but in the near future. Um, I don't think there's anyone that comes close to him in that aspect. So in terms of a dart throw that could pay off quickly, uh, it's hard to argue against this pick. All right, well, that uh, concludes the third round. And continuing on with the fourth round, with the first pick in this part of the draft, we have Sam back up, and he selects Joshua Kelly, running back for the San Diego, I mean, L.A. Chargers, whatever the fuck they are now. Yeah, um, a crowded backfield again. Everybody's playing to pick up a spot behind Austin Eckler. And it's if he can beat out Justin Jackson, he's going to get some touches. If he can't, he's... Gonna hope that Justin Jackson fucks up to give him a chance. This is a it's a crowded backfield. Yeah, for a fourth round pick, that's all you can ask for is um, kind of like an, someone battling for an unsettled position, and the spot behind Eckler is certainly unsettled. And we don't know if Eckler can even hold up as a full season as the runner and catcher. So he could get a lot of play. He could get none, but for the value, you can't argue with it. Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, I think the Melvin Gore, or Austin Eckler, I'm not sure if he's a bell cow, um, but the Melvin Gordon role is open and available, and whether it's Justin Jackson or Joshua Kelly, um, that could be a decent, you know, role for some production. So, again, it's, I feel like I'm kind of saying the same thing, but can't really fault the pick because you can see the, the upside and, you know, the situation developing. Um, I like him a lot, um, but it's not all that different from a guy like Perrine or the next guy we're going to talk about, um, which is back to Arman, and he has DJ Dallas running back for the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, is, is Rashad Penny still alive? Does he still play football? I don't think his knee he's, is functioning. Okay. He's recovering from an ACL, I think. 
Gotcha. And then Carlos hides the backup right now. Yeah, buddy. So this could get interesting. I think he could potentially have an opportunity this year to um, showcase his talents and skills a little bit, which were our, which for Armand could either be a really great thing or a really bad thing with it. But, um, yeah, again, with the talent level that's on the board, I think this is one of the better picks at this spot. Yeah, the talent level's great. Situation's not. Um, but fourth-round pick, you throw your dart, and usually you want to go on talent. But I don't see him getting much play this year, if any. Um, Carlos Hyde and Chris Carson, I think, is going to be a fantastic one-two punch. Yeah, I don't really have anything else to add. So we're going to move on to the third pick, and that was made by Kevin. Uh, selecting Quintez Cephas, Cephas? Cephas. Cephas. Wide receiver for the Detroit Lions. Uh, I'm going to say two things. Wisconsin, yep. wide receiver. Yeah, Kevin Kevin likes Wisconsin. Yep, definitely a pick because he's a Badger. Um, besides that, he's I don't know. Wide receiver, wide receiver five, five or six, six possibly six. I don't know much about him. I don't watch the Badgers because I despise the Badgers. So our wide receiver from the Badgers isn't great. I think their last one was Lee Evans, who did anything. And I just remember him dropping a ball in Baltimore that cost him, like, the playoffs of the Super Bowl or something. Yeah, I mean, I think, again, though, there could be a quick chance for – Product or an opportunity to shine um, after Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones. I don't know that there's a notable wide receiver. I mean, uh, Danny Amendola, but these guys are Danny Amendola is getting up there in age. I mean, he's like a minimum guy. Um, Marvin Jones is a free agent, and I think Kenny Galladay might be a free agent next year. So he's a six round draft pick, so you can't really uh, say he's going to come in and produce but he's the the depth chart isn't amazing so if he proves himself he might get a chance to shine and he could run away with the opportunity um all right fourth pick in the fourth round was made by adam and he selects lynn bowden jr running back slash wide receiver slash quarterback slash joker for the Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah, I think Joker's a good way to put this. This is a poor man's Taysom Hill in the making. Um, a lot of upside depending on where the hell he gets an opportunity. He just needs an opportunity to show that he can do it. But, yeah, it's a guy that can play three to four different positions. If anyone's going to use him or get the most out of him, it's probably going to be Gruden. So you got to feel good about that, especially with someone in the NFL without a position, which is scary. Makes me think of like Tavon Austin or uh, whoever the hell that Minnesota had for a while that fizzled and died and went to Seattle. Yeah, I mean, I think this is probably going to be a classic. He's a better football player than he'll ever be a fantasy player. But who knows? I mean, all it takes is one Josh Jacobs injury and everything just goes to shit. So we'll see what happens. Maybe the Raiders' offense will explode in 2020 and beyond as they become the Las Vegas Raiders, which is crazy to just say. Um, all right. The sixth pick was made by Stefan, and he selects Devin Asasi. Asiasi. Asiasi. Thank you. 
Uh, tight end for the New England Patriots. So Stefan in the fourth round six pick got a starting tight end. I think somewhere along the line some of us fucked up. Maybe I mean, Stefan fucked up trading for Tyler Higby. Do you want a starting tight end on that offense? No, not a, not at all. But he got a starter with that. And it, I mean, Cam Newton made Greg Golson look good with that. Uh, so you got to give him some credit that he hits a tight end with it. But I, it's going to be interesting between him and then the guy we'll talk about next to see which guy will emerge as the the bell cow tight end. It's weird to say, but that offense is just devoid of talent. So being a starter on that team doesn't do much for me. But yeah, I mean, in the fourth round, you get a lottery pick that you can see results from right away and kind of get a gauge if you want to cut bait or not. So that's awesome. And you just go with that. Yeah, I mean, I think between Asi Asi and the next guy, like this is a combination of the Patriot name and still riding the Gronkowski and um, Hernandez hype train. I don't know about either of these guys. Um, he's a tight end. It takes a little bit to develop. I mean, even just because he's going to have the opportunity, they say tight ends is like one of the most difficult positions because normally they have to be blockers and they have to be pass catchers. And the Patriots, Patriots offense is very complex. So even him being a starter, I mean, if he produces, great. You're going to have insane expectations. But if he doesn't, I don't think that necessarily rules out him developing down the line because guys like Gronkowski or even non-murdering Aaron Hernandez are anomaly. Uh, why is that word so difficult for me? English is a uh, fun language. I hate it. Um, are you know aberrations in the Patriots or in a normal Patriots offense? So I don't know. It's a good dart throw. I drink if you. You're already drunk if you drink every time <laughs> yes, I say dart. Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, but let's talk about the next tight end, uh, Kevin. With the it looks like what are we the six pick in the fourth round selects Dalton Keene. Is there anything different to add that we didn't talk or that we talked about with Dave or Devin Asasi? Asasi. Oh my god. Asasi. I'm drinking too much. Oi, oi, oi. No, Keen's going to be the same dart throw. It's going to be which of these two guys is going to be the one to not fuck up first. For what it's worth, Keenan's bigger by an inch. Size matters. Size matters. Size matters. Oh, but he's four pounds underweight. Ooh. So it like evens out. So do you want size or thickness? Well, we got Shaheen, and he was size and thickness and sucked ass, so neither. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's a dart throw, but it's a lottery pick you get to see that gets to play right away. Um, his numbers at UCO, oh, this different guy. His numbers at Virginia Tech, I know nothing about, so I'm not even going to go off of it. <laughs> Let's move on. He's young. There you go. He's young. He's young and he's thick. What more could you want? Um, With the seventh pick... Sam is on the clock. Um, oh, he's got one more pick. Sam is on the clock for a second-to-last pick, and he selects Tyler Johnson, wide receiver for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, yeah, that's Johnson's. A... Go ahead, Dan. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's a rough situation over there, with the two big studs with part of it, and then you had um, Scotty Miller come on late last year with it. That's just. That's a rough situation, but this kid's got a ton of talent coming out of Minnesota. Yeah, I mean, he's interesting in the sense that I think a year ago, the quote-unquote 
experts are like, oh, he's going to be a first rounder or, oh, he's going to be super high in fantasy. He produced at Minnesota, but for whatever reason, the NFL scouts didn't agree with that or think that he's an NFL talent and he went in the fifth round. He's in the he's in a Tom Brady offense, so all pass catchers are gonna have a chance to shine. Uh, so I get optimism for him, but I don't know. He, it's like you said, Dan. It's a crowded backfield or crowded like pass catching field with Evans, Godwin, Gronkowski, Howard, Scotty Miller, Justin Watson. There are twenty different running backs. So. And he's been injured in the training camp, and it's this is a weird year for football, so the fact that he's barely had any ch- chance to shine in front of coaches probably doesn't help. Yeah, this is a, a future throw, I'm guessing. I don't think he's going to have any results for the first few years, if any. Um, he was a great college player, but how often does that translate to pros is not much, so we'll see. It's a fourth-round pick that... I mean, most of us would probably cut our fourth-round picks from last year, but it's nice to just throw a dart. Yep, it's it's house money at this point, especially for Sam, who had like 20 picks in this draft. Um, I've had too much to drink to even try to pronounce this, Dan, so why don't you talk about your next pick? <laughs> yeah, so so this is where I get complicated in my life. Uh, so I took Albert O. Uh, I'm going to stop at Can... Albert O because Jesus okay. fuck, he's got a K and a W with a G and a B next to his name. Okuwabahamanan. Uh, um, Albert KJB. Got it. Yeah, basically, that's basically what it is. Um, this is just a big fucking kid that I'm hoping is gonna thrive in this offense, where they're gonna be able to run a two tight end set with two wide receivers, and and this he's got to beat out a couple other guys for it. But this is a dart throw for me. The other player I was back and forth between was Fromm to back up Josh Allen um, in my role, but I decided I was going to take the dart. Not a good look in 2020. No. Can we say where he got drafted? Cause I have no idea who this guy is. He's tight end for the Denver Broncos. Oh, okay. So that's my analysis. The guy, I don't know who the fuck he is. Um, sure. I think he, Oh, he had a really, really good 40. Didn't he? Yeah. Pete is one of the fastest forties coming out of the combine. Uh, he had one of the, he was one of the bigger producers at the University of Missouri, um, catching balls. Just, again, yeah, but that's like being the smartest kid. kid on the short bus. But you know what? That kid's got a, a fucking future. Missouri. Yep, the kid's got a fucking future. Be the smartest kid on the short bus, motherfucker. I mean, sure. I'm, so, I'm sorry. I feel like in 2020, I can't say no, but yeah. I don't know. Shot in the dark. I'll take. I'll yeah, stand I by mean, it. the 40 times unbelievable. Yeah, the measurables are insane with him, but it's the situation. Can I don't think there's a I don't think Patrick Mahomes can support all the pass catchers and offensive talent that this Denver team has. So, Drew Lock, good luck, buddy, because you're going to be drawing a lot of angst from fantasy football players when you, these guys disappoint week in and week out. Yeah, the only player you want on the Denver offense right now is Drew Lock. No. No, I it's full heartedly disagree. I, with the guy, he's the only guy that's going to get a, a significant amount of numbers. I know who I think I want, Nick. If you could only have one guy this year for Denver, who do you want? Cortland Sutton. I think I want Melvin Gordon. So that just tells you about this offense that we all want three different guys. So. Yeah, I don't yeah, like Drew Lock. I like Drew Lock. <laughs> I feel like, Dan, you're destined to acquire Drew Locke and pair him with Josh Allen just so Nick and I can 
or weekly ask, is this the week that he they go over I, 700 please, combined I would, yards? Who, who owns Drew Lock? I feel like you Send like Drew Lock more than I like Sam Darnold. No, that's not true. No, that's, no, that's not true. No, no, not at fucking close. Yeah, we're going to have to shut that down real quick, Nick. Yeah, that, that's asinine. But, Chris, send me a message about Drew Lock, buddy. All right, let's continue on. Uh, we got a few more picks. Uh, Zane is back on the clock. And with the, where are we at? Ninth pick in the fourth round, he selects Eno Benjamin, running back for the Arizona Cardinals. Air raid offense, another covered backfield behind Kenyon Drake and Chase Edmonds. Rough, but you hope to hell. He was he so, so freaking good in college. college. The, the How he went this late in the draft, in the NFL draft, seventh round, blew my mind. But, yeah, that's a shitty landing spot, insanely crowded. He probably got taken in the seventh round because he's a home state kid. It's rough. Yeah, I mean, the only thing you say is uh, Drake is just under his tender. You know, is he going to be signed there long term? Um, Kyler Murray's mobile quarterback, so they can definitely support whatever running back is back there. And Chase Edmonds has had injury issues, and he's, I think, coming up on his second contract. So before you know it, this backfield could be open. Um, it's For where we're at in the draft, I like this pick for Zane. Um, all right, Adam is up with the 10th pick in the fourth round, and he selects Joe Reed, wide receiver for... The Los Angeles Chargers. This, yep. So this, I think this is a kid that just needs an opportunity. Um, and I think he's got an opportunity to win one outside of Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. There's fucking no wide receivers in the Chargers organization. Yeah, and with Mike Williams being injured, I mean, it's just Keenan Allen, I, and I guess oh, yeah. Hunter Henry until he gets his inevitable injury. You say that, but he hasn't been injured much. Hunter Henry has it? Oh, I was talking oh, about Keenan Allen. Hunter no, no, Henry, Hunter, yes. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be Keenan Allen and a whole bunch of nobodies by, like, week three, so. KJ Hill's nice. Yeah. Unrelated, but that just shows how empty that wide receiver core is. Yeah, I mean, Mike Williams going down was, a, I guess you could say, a Gadsden. You can see the results right away because, actually, I don't know if you want to see the results right away with Tyrod or... Herbert leading the offense. We'll see. Yeah, I mean it's it's a situ it's a he's going to a situation that if um, Justin Herbert can live up to expectations, there's going to be room for him to potentially produce. So you could do a lot worse at this point in the draft. But what you said, Nick, I agree. I like KJ Hill, and that's why he's on my team. So let's hope he lives up to the hype. Um, all right, Jer is up with the second-to-last pick in this draft, and he selects Darnell Mooney, wide receiver for the great Chicago Bears. I think the highlight of this pick is just the fact that you would say Darnell Mooney. Um, with a, What a great fucking name, but you definitely don't want to be a Bears wide receiver. No. No, you don't. <laughs> That's all I have. Although, it's pretty void. You look at A-Rob... Anthony Miller. Miller, I don't even know if I can Graham. count him. He's played, what, like six games in his in two years? Yeah. And that's all we wrote. So yeah. his path to playing is there. I'd like to see Ridley, but 
again, Bears talk. Um, it's not a terrible pick at this point in the draft. There's not much left. Bears wide receiver's a ballsy call, but someone's got to hopefully catch a ball there. Yeah, I mean, it's it's important to remember. I mean, we talk about these situations. I mean, with the Bears and quarterbacks, I mean, Drew Locke, maybe he busts. Who, maybe he doesn't. But situations can change so quickly. Um, Mooney was a fifth rounder, I think. So even if the situation isn't great, you know, maybe he'll prove to be a solid wide receiver and maybe the Bears will finally someday in the near future have a competent quarterback to throw him balls and then he can run and score touchdowns. Big Dick Foles. Oh, maybe, yeah. Um, all right, and with the last pick, it's only fitting. He started the draft, he ends the draft. Sam, select Quiz Watkins, wide receiver for the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, God bless the fact that Godwin dropped, or not Godwin, Goodwin dropped out, because um, this gives this kid a shot in hell that JJ or Arcega Whiteside might be healthy. A couple other people can't catch balls, but there's a lot of receivers on this Philadelphia team, and if he gets a shot to produce and he produces, that could be a great thing. This is a, you want to talk about a dart throw? This is the dart throw, I think, of the draft. I think having a pass catcher on this team would give me anxiety beyond belief. That isn't a tight end. Yeah, that isn't Zach Ertz or, yeah, Dallas Cotter. Like, anyone else on that team is terrifies me. Yeah, I mean, there's reason to be excited, I think, with Jalen Rieger, but there was also reason to be excited about J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, so we'll have to see it on the field. Um, when Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey are on the field, they produce, but it's like a fucking, I don't even know what I'm, sweetie thing I'm trying to say, but they're not on the field often, so that's irrelevant. So Yeah, so Elshon Jeffrey is already on the pup list. So there you go. We'll <laughs> see when he gets activated. Um, but then we've got Greg Ward, the aforementioned J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, um, John Hightower, I think is another rookie, or yep. young guy maybe. Fifth rounder. Fifth rounder. So I mean, like Dan said, there's definitely an opportunity, and Carson Wentz is a good quarterback. He spreads the ball around. After the tight ends and Ertz and Goddard, I mean, they're just begging for a wide receiver to step up. So, it's a good upside grab drink. It's our throw. <laughs> Fuck. Don't, don't gotta tell me twice. Alright, um, the draft, I mean, it, it was definitely, I think, a deep draft. A lot of, like, interesting talent came in. Any takeaways from you guys, um, whether it's maybe selections, some trades that we saw, trades we didn't see, um, and maybe how this might impact the league both this year and maybe long term? So the thing I'm taking away, at least personally, is first rounders a lot more valuable. Um, I know last year we were shelling out first rounders left and right, and this year you don't see it nearly as much because I think people are starting to realize the value of a draft pick. So that could be interesting to monitor going forward. I think in piggybacking off of that, the first six picks of that third round are just as valuable with the draft format that we have. Um, outside of that, we see a lot of dart throws, a lot of hope and prayer that, that it's going to happen. So for as much as you value the, the, the first two rounds, those first six picks around three need to have that just as important second round value that you find. I would agree on a normal season. 
this season, I think they carried literally zero more value. I learned nothing new about a single player between the end of the second round to the beginning of this round. Yeah. But yes, normally I would agree with you. This year, no chance in hell. I still think there's... I think you could predict a few, a, the first couple of these. I think there's enough talent that tells you that these guys could have been late second round, early third round picks. But this is where... Yeah, I mean, normally this would give Sam a huge advantage to say, you know what, Van Jefferson's been the fucking guy out there. I need to grab him. But yeah, it's... Yeah. Yep. For sure. I mean, that's... Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, and I, Nick, you kind of stole what I was going to say. I think it's was very interesting seeing how the how quickly the evaluations on draft picks have changed and what that does you know going forward we still see some teams that are maybe treating them like candy and you know happy to move them and guess what you can easily support a team doing that as long as you're getting proven talent back because at the end of the day draft picks are crapshoots there's no guarantee that they're going to live up to the hype so if you can keep spinning those trades to be a net positive for you it's all going to work out but we've definitely seen less um, less picks and or less deals involving picks. Um, all right, well let's move on. Just we're winding down. I know this is a long podcast. Um, the seasons around the corner. Um, we've seen trades. We've the draft is completed. What teams? I mean, do you guys like? Let's start with the bottom. Who? What team do you think is not going to be great this year and is going to be? really eyeballing Trevor Lawrence when the ACC gets out there and starts playing? I'm going to say three blind mice. Yep, I'll say Jerry's got Jerry's got the, the fast track to fixing this quarterback position. Yep, I'll make it three for three. I think Jerry's definitely in the driver's seat. Um, after... Or I thought his roster building last year was a little questionable. Um, or I question maybe the direction at times, but I think this year you can't really question it. He's decided that he, this isn't his year and next year isn't his year. And he's dealt players accordingly and drafted players accordingly. Um, he is by far the worst team. Yeah. I think, I think he's got a positive outlook for what he went to do. He took the Sam approach for year two. And I think it was a great decision to make. Agreed. Um, all right, and then we don't have to maybe say the best team, or we can just say one team, but what teams do you look at and see if the season actually happens are going to be contending for a championship, perhaps? Uh, my money's on Flash Gordon. That roster is absurd. I think you can say that Flash Gordon's going to be playing Lone Star 737. I think those are the arguably the two best teams from a production standpoint, from a piece, and I think you would you could go back and forth between those teams and flop them. Which guy's got the better matchup? Who's going to do what? I, I mean, we're, your roster's pretty fucking studly with it. Stefan's got an amazing roster. I think those are the two that you're going to be watching. The What's the fucking name of the thing that you put on top of the the piano that TikToks back and forth? Pendulum. The pendulum. I think you can. That's the pendulum effect. I think any week you could watch those. You and Stefan go back and forth. Oh, well, I I hope. Um, first, yeah, I'll make it three for three. Stefan's team looks very, very, very strong on paper. Um, I think he's got a nice mix of the 
top tier talent. He's got great depth. He's got players that should, you know, on paper bounce back. Um, it's hard to argue against how his team looks. Um, the only thing, you know, that you look at, you're like, well, that sucks, is the division he's in. I mean, if Stefan, for whatever reason, gets screwed in this weird season with some unfortunate COVID incidents or maybe injuries, you know, he can go from looking like the best team to being out of the playoffs just like that because of the division he's in. Um, it hasn't been mentioned, but Zane's team is some someone that I want to watch. Um, he gets Lamar Jackson for a full year. I think he's got wide receivers that should bounce back. Um, and he added someone that he's never going to stop talking about, Jonathan Taylor. Um, the Montgomery injury and how severe that is is something to watch. But I think Zane's got some interesting depth. Um, and I don't know. I'm, I'm a fan of Zane's team. And in our division, it scares me. Um, mostly just because of Lamar Jackson and what he can do. But I think he's surrounded him with some nice talent. Yeah, I think I think your division, there's a clear top, a clear top three and bottom three. Yep. With, with part of that, I think there's five teams in the Justice League that can sit down and say, you know, flop their dick out on the table and say, you know, mine's, I'm going to fucking make it. And with that, I think Stefan's got the biggest stick on the table right now, but there are other, the other four people are going to be fucking, it's going to be interesting. All right, so, I mean, Nick, I'm assuming you agree with the three in our Avengers division. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think um, that's easy. If we had to, I mean, let's make a call in the Justice League. Who are your three playoff teams? Flash Gordon. Um, probably Island. And then... It's a, if we go a full season, I like Kevin's tearing up the ACL. Franchise 12's depth just scares me so much. And by the end of the season, at least for me, I was beyond injured and depth played a huge role. So I think that's going to bite him in the ass this year. So my top three would be Flash, Island for Misfit Toys, and tearing up the ACL. For me, I think I'm going to go Flash. Um... I'll go Island of Misfit Toys as well. And I'm I'm going to give the edge to Franchise 12. I think Adam's team, I know it's top-heavy, but I think the top-heaviness of it is impressive. And maybe even a shorter season could work for him because it means some of his guys doesn't have a chance to get injured or fuck him. I don't know. Um, hopefully that's not the case. But um, it's going to be a dogfight for, I mean, I think... I think Flash Gordon is head and shoulders above the other teams in this division. So the second and third spot along with you know third fourth and fifth are just going to be neck and neck and good luck with that one dan yeah thanks man i'm gonna so i get to weigh in on my last little bit here and i'm gonna yep. i'm gonna go the, the other route that could be there so i'm gonna say flash gordon obviously takes the cake i think i have a very decent roster and some of the pieces to piece myself into the playoffs but give me give me steve i'll take apple hans with that a lot of young talent i think the trade helped him a lot of there he stacks the roethlisberger juju smith he's got michael thomas um he's got a lot of younger talent and a lot of guys that are gonna demand some attention from the ball i'll take steve to finish that out All right. Well, that wraps up this pod. Uh, it was a long one, almost 90 minutes. Um, covered a bunch of fun stuff, and we were only, or I was only a little bit drunk. 
or buzzed or whatever the words are. Um, you were sponsored. You were sponsored tonight. Mm, sponsored. That's I love that. That's, that sounds classy. Who sponsors you tonight? Uh, JMO. Brought to you by Jameson. I like that. <laughs> uh, anything to add before we shut it down until sometime after week one? Um, I just want to bring one point because I'm noticing it. The IR is only for COVID-related people, correct? That is correct. Only for COVID-related right, people. Then we need some roster fixes. So just for the record, your COVID piece, if they opt out, does that count for COVID? Yes. Opt out or have COVID. Okay, perfect. But I still want your lock, so Chris, hit me up. All right, fellas. Until next week, um, good luck with the upcoming season um it's right around the corner hopefully your team wears a mask and socially distance peace